0: somebody have something on their heart they need to say or do for the Lord in any way? You have your Bibles and would read with us tonight. We'll be looking in the book of Exodus in the 25th chapter. And also in the book of St. John in the 14th chapter, Exodus 25 and John 14, Exodus 25 and John 14. Here is where Moses is receiving the plans and instructions from God concerning the tabernacle and all that is therein. But listen to just a few verses here, if you will, starting in the 17th verse of the 25th chapter. Book of Exodus, the Bible says, And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half, the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seed, and make one cherubim on one end, and the other cherubim on the other end. Even of the mercy seed shall you make the cherubim's On the two ends thereof, and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. In John, St. John, the 14th chapter, just a few verses here. Says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know, you may be seated. two tremendous accounts of the Word of God. Heaven knows we would do well to cover even one of them. But by the help of the Lord, I hope and pray tonight to be able to preach for a few minutes this evening about a place. About a place that God has prepared. I know that we understand that, that the saved are on their way to heaven. And I believe we understand that the unsaved are on their way to hell. And we think about those two places. But by the help of the Lord, I would like for you and I to uh, be able to comprehend fully of two places that exist right now. Two places that are as real as the place where you sit right now. The space in which your life occupies in this world. Your home, where you may be sitting right now, uh, uh, the kitchen in your house, uh, uh, if you will, the, the back porches of your homes—two places for him that are more real than that. I read to you this as this first place in Exodus, where that God is speaking to Moses, and God is communicating to Moses to create a place where that God can speak to man where that God can commune with the high priest. And he speaks this as we got down to the end of where we read, that there will I commune with you from above the mercy seat. And, 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 And this mercy seat was in behind the curtain, if you will. It was in the place of the holiest of holies, where only the high priest went once a year, that he might make sacrifice for the people. And this place was real and it existed and the high priest went in and there was a sacrifice made. But, but God communed with the people from above the mercy seat. And as you read this and you can go all the way through the book of Exodus and all these commandments of which they came and all the, the ordinance of which God made, you get down to the end of the chapter, at the end of the book, and here's where you see where God, God descended, if you will, in a cloud. Uh, and overshadowed the tabernacle. And as long as His his presence was there, that's where they stayed. But when His presence was lifted from that, then did they go on. Mm-hmm. But understand this, God, in God's divine knowledge and wisdom, my friend, created a place, in the, even in the Old Testament, that God might speak to His people, that His people might receive instruction from God. And I know that many of us would think my goodness what a what a place to be to be able to communicate with God and God communicate with us now I can promise you this there's not a lot of people want to talk with the lord there's not there's not a lot of people that that, that have a, a tremendous desire to to speak to God as a, a, if you will according to the terms of God now the carnal mind would would like to think within itself, well, i got some questions I'd like to ask you. I assure you this. Friend, if you ever find yourself and you come to the consciousness of your soul that you're in the presence of God, it's going to scare you to death. Oh, yes. There'll be a great fear grip your heart. And the foolish questions that your carnal mind had come up with that you wanted to ask him will be very far from your faults. But God help us to realize that this was God. This wasn't man, this was the plans of God. Ordained of God to make a place where that people could commune with God and God to his people. But it was a holy place. It wasn't filled with the junk of this world. And it was made and created and designed by the plans of God. God was the author and finisher of this complete design. God, my friend, gave Moses definite instructions. Not just about this mercy seat. But my friend, about the tabernacle, about the Ark of the Covenant, about the washing of Herod and his sons, about the clothes that they were to wear, about the altar of the sacrifice, about the instruments in which the sacrifices were handled. God covered it every bit about his service and how it was to be carried out. Why? God wanted to commune with his people. God wants to talk to you. God wants to speak to us. But we're not going to do it on our turn. We're not going to to reach into the the back pocket, if you will, of our minds and say, well, I need God and expect God to be on the scene. But God, my friend, and His mercy and His long suffering passes our understanding because I assure you this that if the very finest one of us got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. Oh, no. If the very most innocent one that we would all vote tonight unequivocally without any shadow of a doubt is the most innocent one of us all, we would not like where they would end up. So I promise you, my friend, it's very important that we commune with God. Now, who wouldn't want to? Who who do you think, who, who do you suppose would not want to communicate with God? Well, if you turn over to the third chapter of the book of Revelations, you're probably going to find a group of people that did not want to talk to God. Why? Let's just turn there just a little bit, and, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll move along. But, but, but let me read you something right here. I believe it's in the third chapter of the book of Revelations. He says here, yes, in the third chapter, Revelations. 3 and 14 and under the church of Laodicea these things right, saith the Amen the faithful and true witness I love that he says the beginning of the creation of God I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot I would that thou were co- cold or hot mm-hmm. so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will spew thee out of my mouth wow. oh my goodness gracious bless you. What a place of separation That God would spew us out of his mouth That God would, 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 would want ri- our lives rid of him Listen on Because thou sayest I am rich And increased with goods And have need of nothing And knowest not that thou art wretched And miserable And poor and blind and naked. This is somebody who don't want to talk to God. Someone who is self-sufficient. Someone who's got all of life together. They're not interested in the place that God formed the very instructions in the mind of God in order for souls to communicate with Him. I need to hurry. But my friend, this pattern, this pattern that God, told Moses. God warns Moses in another place. He says, now you see to it that you build this exactly how I told you. Uh He warned him specifically. Why? Because God had a plan. God, I believe, has got a plan for every life that's in this house. I believe he does. And I believe it's a divine and holy plan. I believe the Word of God when the Word of God says, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And this was written to the children of God. I believe God's got a plan for His people. But my friend, as we look over here in John the 14th chapter, He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, the blessed part mm-hmm. that I go to prepare a place for you, right. and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Do you realize the place that Jesus created? It wasn't glory; it was a place called Calvary right. It was a place called the empty tomb. It was the very act and operation of God to the salvation of the souls of men. The great creator of all creators. The son of God himself. The one who spoke the world into existence. The one that the Bible says that nothing consists without him. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. That ought to excite you. That ought to roll over in your heart. In my Father's house are many mansions. He don't have to prepare anything in his Father's house. He's prepared. These people that believe that, 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 that he's up there preparing a heaven for the church and when he gets through, he's going to call this thing to an end. Fallacy of the traditions of religion. I promise you this, my friend. Heaven is ready. Why? Because heaven is where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is. How do you know, preacher? Because they live in my heart. They live in the hearts of the redeemed. This is the kingdom of God. This is the Word of God. Listen on. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And sadly, sadly people think that this this son of a carpenter is somewhere over there working. My God in heaven, he was fixing to go and do the greatest miracle of all. My friend, he was fixing to go do a work that would render a place for man, to, my friend, to commune with God. He was building, if you will, A brand new tabernacle. He was building a place of worship for the hearts and souls of them of who he was dying for of the sacrifice he was laying at the very throne of God that the souls of men could know what it's like to be clean. I go and prepare a place for you. (laughs) This place is called Calvary. It's a place of repentance. Now in order for them, high priests, to offer a sacrifice to God, a single sacrifice, they had to be clothed in the clothing that God had given Moses' instruction to clothe them. They had to be washed. Everything had to be in specific order. So it is today. Friend, if you're going to offer a sacrifice of praise unto God, you're going to have to be washed in the blood. If you're going to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto God, you're going to have to be washed in the blood. My friend, you're going to have to go by the lever. You're going to have to go by the place of cleansing. You're going to have to, my friend, let the Word of God have its full and free course in your heart and in your life. But no wait, preacher. I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I don't have need of anything. Oh, but you will. Oh, my God, will you stand in need? There will be a moment. There will be an hour that will come to the existence of your being when you're not going to want the words of the preacher you're not going to want the words of mommy and daddy, but you're going to want to hear from God. Mm, yeah. He calls to us today. Sure. I understand by the reading of the word of God, Moses desired to see the glory of God. And God told Moses, there's a place by me, Around. a cleft in a rock where I'll let you hide. And I'll put my hand over you and I'll pass by and you can view my hand This was all of God that any man had ever seen. And my friend, when Moses came down from that mountain, his face shone as a light. that had to put a veil on him. He had been with God. What does this tell us? I tell you what, my friend, when you get to the place where you can really see God, it's going to change how you look. It's going to change your, how people view you. There's going to be a difference in your life. Oh, these people who think that they have, if you will, got a hold of God. There's people, if you will, my friend, they have an idea uh, uh, of religious attributes and they, they try. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They make a, a, an effort. Mm-hmm. My friend, if God had been satisfied with the efforts of man, Christ would have never came. It's true. It's true. But our efforts are futile. Our strength is not enough. I preach to you about one who tread the winepress press alone. There was none to help. Now Moses received the instructions from God. Moses gave the plans and the layouts and the list of material to the people. And the Bible says that the people gave liberally. To the extent that he had to tell them to quit giving. There's enough. So they began to put it together. And if you read the Bible right, and, if, and it's the way that I've seen it in my own heart, my friend, when they had everything prepared, they brought it to Moses, and Moses put it together. The Word of God assembled it. Moses was the Word of God. The Word of God put it together. Let me ask you something Has the Word of God put your life together? Can you see, my friend, the working of the Word down in your heart? Can you understand, my friend, the the vast design, knowledge and wisdom in which God has ushered salvation to your soul? Jesus said this. He said, "If if I go and prepare a place for you. Did He? Yes, He did. And then He says this. I will come again and receive you unto Myself. Now, some people would say, well, that's when that that, that time is no more, and the Son of God's come back to the world, and He's receiving us unto Himself. That's not what it says. I don't see nothing about the end of the world there. Those are the faults of our lives. But I don't know about you, but, but, but I'd have to confess this. Jesus come to where I was and he received me unto himself. Yes. There was a drawing of his power come to my life. It was like a cipher or a vacuum pulling me out of this world, plucking me up, my friend, if you will, from the mirey clay I was in. And he received me unto himself. And why did he do that? I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. The Bible teaches me that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. That's what the Bible says. He says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, did many receive Jesus when he was here? Now, he lived for thirty-three and a half years. He fed above five thousand. He healed without a doubt even more than that. Healed their bodies. He raised their dead. How many was in the upper room waiting on Him? 120. And we've got a society today claiming Jesus for your Savior. You can go to heaven when you die. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Mm -hmm. My God, what sorcery! My Lord! What a carnal mind that's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be trying to express righteousness with God. God's nowhere about it. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where do you live? Do you live in sin? Sure. Who dictates the yeses and the no's in your life? Who is it that puts the final stamp of authority, says, yes, you can do this? Who does that? Who is it that tells you, no, you're not going to do it? Who does this? Oh, we want everybody to think that it's God. And it's what's best. My Lord in heaven. That same one that we would have all voted to be the purest and the most worthy that could have accepted the goodness of God. You set meat and potatoes before it or you put chocolate cake. You tell me which one it's going to eat. The chocolate cake. And, but we know, we know what's good for us. Who says the yeses and the noes in your life? Who is it that sets the standard of which we ought to live to? You know what it sets in many people's lives? What's the latest fashion? What kind of phone does this one have? What kind of clothes is that one wearing? What kind of car is he driving? What kind of, what kind of place does she go to? That's what sets the standards in our life. How do you know, preacher? Because, my friend, if we wanted to go where Jesus was, we're going to have to come to the place to accept that we are poor. We are poor. No, I don't want to be poor, preacher. I want to be rich. God doesn't mind if you have money. No, it's, not it's not about money. But I'll tell you what it is about. You're eat up many times with self, we're rich of our own devices. We're wealthy in our own talents, if you will. What happened to me and I am what I am by the grace of God? It's not too well accepted in our socialistic society. But no, we got to have the very best. And the next thing you know, my friend, it's our God. We don't go to God for anything. This is what happens. I promise you this. The world, the banks, the loan entities of our society, the credit card people, they will allow you to get in debt over top of your eyeballs to where that every dime that you're making is theirs and not yours anymore. You are paying out more than you're taking in. You have yourself obligated to debts that there's no way you can begin to pay. Well, preacher, I just don't know. These people fall on hard times. I am not talking about misfortune happening to people. But I'm talking about people's lives in the general. We'll go after a whole lot more than we can take care of. We will try to engage and take on a whole lot more than we can take care of. I can promise you this, just knowing this is a contractor. You've got to learn to be able to say, no, I cannot do it. Why? Because I promise you, you'll be working 24-7. It will consume your life. You have to learn to be able to say, you're going to have to call somebody else. But in our hearts, God, my friend, is wanting to get the attention of our souls. In the very center of our being, my friend, God wants us to understand that, that that it's God that has prepared a place that you and I might be able to communicate with God and moreover, God can communicate with us. Why? Because a lot of people take talking to God so lightly. They go in a form and a fashion speaking to God. And they already got a predetermined answer. And if it works out, God says it's okay. But we don't get down to business. We don't get down to the seriousness of the hour. Friend, now this place, that God gave commandment to Moses to build and to create, If that high priest went in there and he went in out of order, he would die. It was a very fearful thing to go in to the holiest of holies unprepared to talk to God. It could cost them their life. We live in a day in dispensation of grace. And people think that we can just barge in and command God to do this and command God to do that. It don't work that way. You're talking about going to a place where God killed His Son. If you don't think that God takes this place seriously, my friend, you're a fool. This is where God, there was no angel to stay His hand as it was in the days of Abraham, but God killed his son. Well, he gave his life. He laid it down. He was submitted to the will of his father. And his father slew him on Calvary. And he went and prepared a place. And that place is Calvary. And he did. One of the most amazing places, even after Calvary, is the tomb. And I read the event, and I've heard Brother Jim preach a message several years ago concerning this. My friend, when John and Peter ran to there, and they looked in, and they seen the linen clothes there. And my friend, they seen where he had been, and they left. But Mary stood without weeping. You'll find this in John. And she looked in, and what did she see? She seen an angel sitting at the head and an angel sitting at the feet. She seen the mercy seat of Christ. God's made us a place. A place of mercy instead of judgment. But no, we don't need God. And we don't need to go there. Can there, be, there they will be fathoms numbers of souls in the regions of the dam begging for the mercy seat. Why, all the days of their life they lived to themselves. All the days of their lives they knew what they needed. They knew what they wanted. They could care less what God was trying to give them. My God in heaven, may our souls be touched that God in His mercy has made a place has made a place. My friend, that's more real. Hear me and I don't misspeak. It's more real than the tabernacle that Moses erected. It's more evident, my friend, than the Ark of the Covenant. My friend, all of those had their place. They were types and shadows of good things to come. But I tell you, friend, what Christ created, He created a place where the souls of men... Their sins are no longer just put off for a year, but their sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. (laughs) You see, the high priest was putting their sins off for a year. Those sins weren't forgiven, they were put off for a year. And then the next year, they got put off again. But the debt was still there. The guilt was still in the conscience. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from evil works to serve the living God? This is what the place that Christ created can do. This was a place where God could speak, my friend, and bring great victory and deliverance for the children of Israel. The enemies were terrified when they began to march out and blow those trumpets. And they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Do you know what it did to the walls of Jericho? It caused them to fall in upon themselves. Why? Because, my friend, they received instructions from God and they obeyed God. And this was in the days of the Old Testament. How we saying, Baptist? We're serving a risen Savior. One that died, preparing us a place that we can commune with God. Life has reached to us. And you know what we say? Not today, preacher. Eternal redemption is offered. A brand new life. Victory over self. That's right. Your biggest enemy. Your largest adversary. Oh, it's not your job, man. Ladies, it's not your children. Daddies, it's not your neighbors. But every soul that's sitting right here in this house right now, Your greatest adversary is the person you look in the mirror at. That person's thoughts, that person's wants, that person's wills, that person's ways, he's the one you're battling. Oh no, preacher, i got this. Where's the testimony of the power of God in your life? What happened? To hungering and thirsting after righteousness. What happened? Desiring the things of God versus the things of the world. You know what God, Jesus, said to Peter? Get thou behind me, Satan. Thou savors the things of man more than the things of God. And you know what Peter was talking about? Protecting the Son of God. I tell you what, these people who think that they're protecting the work of God. God would just have you to believe Him. You don't have to protect Jesus. You don't have to prolong the kingdom of God. God would just have us to believe Him. Believe what, preacher? Believe what he done for you. Believe the place that He's created for you. Now, do you think these events happened in the days of Moses? Do you really believe that Moses come back? said, Aaron, bring your sons and come here. This is what we have to do. This is what we have to do. The God that just brought us out of Egypt this is what God has said for us to do. We've got to build an ark. It's got to be built out of shit and wood. It's got to be overlaid with gold. There have to be two cherubims on top of it. Their wings have got to go out over, looking one at another over top of the mercy seat. It has to be built this way. we got some clothes to make for you too. I'm going to have to wash you with water. Then we're going to have to clothe you with this. Yeah. Then you're going to have to be anointed with oil. Yeah. And then you're going to have to go into this tabernacle yeah. and you're going to have to offer a sacrifice unto God for the people. We have to do this. My friend, let me tell you something. If you know God and free part of sin, you're going to have to come by Christ. And it's not going to be in the regular traditions and religions of the days that we live in. But it will be according to the working of the power of God. Moses was commanded of God. Now Moses, you see that you do this exactly the way I think. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. I stand amazed at the gospel. God takes His Word. He takes a vessel. My friend, He fills it. And He brings words, my friend, to our ears that paints pictures in our mind. My friend, that is seasoned with the power of His Spirit. And it awakens our heart to where we really are with God. And a God that is knowing of the beginning and the end after that your ears have heard the gospel, that God can hold you accountable with what you did with the word of God. I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. Why, preacher? Because there's some men will take religious ideas and they'll grab a scripture or two and they'll call it preaching the gospel when that God's nowhere about it. And there are some people that sit in the house of God. And I know that the Word of God has been all around their lives. And you know what it's like? It's like that rain that's falling down out of the world right now. It was roaring on the shingles a few minutes ago. And it's run off them shingles and it's hit the gutter. And it's run down through the gutter and it's went down the downspout and it's going out down into the woods. And we barely even knew that it rained. Because the Word of God has become no effect unto us. But I got some real good news. It don't change it. It's as eternal as God is. And as much as God knows every hair of our head, He knows about every snowflake that's ever fell. He's knows of every man that's ever preached a true message from God. He knows of this place that he went and he created. And my friend, he knows that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. He can remember the date, the time, the hour. And when the souls of men who have rejected in unbelief the word of God stand before him, he's going to say, remember. How do you know, preacher? Well, that's what Abraham told the rich man remember when God offered life to live instead of death to die people rejected just like when Jesus was here he fed 5,000 above one time he killed probably 10,000 people he raised them dead. They laid palm branches down when he came through Jerusalem, my friend, and even their garments, saying, Hosanna to the highest. They believed at that meant, my friend, that here come their king. And the same people in just a few days was crying, Give us the rabbis! Crucify him! Preacher, if I'd have been there, you would have done exactly like me. We would have cried, crucified. But God, who's rich in mercy, has came by our lives, and He's given us a place called the mercy seat of Christ. He is the propitiation for our sin that my friend, that in the days of Moses at this tabernacle and this Ark of the Covenant and this testimony, my friend, in which that God had created for him to commune with man and man, to commune with him where sins could be put off for a year. But the place that Jesus made, sins can be forgiven. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. Not a license to sin. This salvation I preach to you tonight, my friend, that God is able to forgive all sin of them that believe in Him. Sure, religion of men have put contingencies on that. Well, now, not all sin, preacher. I'll tell you what, my friend, the salvation that I preach to you tonight, Jesus forgave me of every sin that I ever committed or ever would commit. Preacher, that's just too much. You got to pay for your sins. Not scripture, not scripture. You can't pay for one of your sins. The way of a transgressor's heart, I assure you this, but you can't pay for a sin. And let me tell you something if you're a child of God, for God to spew you out of his mouth because you think that you're self-sufficient. I tell you what my friend, it's heartbreaking. When God passes by and will not speak, when I try to get a hold of God and cannot, I can't imagine any more isolation and separation. My friend, I want to get that fixed as soon as possible. I believe any child of God that's ever been there wants that taken care of. But there are people who say they know God. There are people that say that they're going to heaven when they die. And they never commune with God. They never speak with God. God never tells them no, he always tells them yes. And I mean his will. You just don't understand. I know God, preacher. No, I'll tell you this. I believe you know a God, but you don't know the Jesus I preach. Why, preacher? Because the Jesus, my friend, that is in the gospel that we preach to you tonight. He's also a shepherd. And he watches over his sheep. And His sheep, hear me now, His sheep, by His own words, know His voice. And a stranger, they will not follow. This is the Word of God. So when you tell me you know Jesus, but yet you're following the shepherds of this world more than you're following the Spirit of God, you ask me what testifies the last? Disobedience. Unruliness lasciviousness. Surely not. Surely not. Oh, but indeed. But I pray this evening, my friend, that your heart, your mind, your body and soul would hear that Jesus has prepared a place for you. And since that He's prepared this place for you, and that He did, that He has come by again to receive you unto Himself. And why did he do that? That where he is, you may be also. Do you want to be with Jesus? Well, let me tell you something, my friend. If you're not living, you're not willing for Him to live with you down here. It ain't going to happen over there. Why? Because Jesus said that He and the Father will come and take their, make their abode right here. And I can tell you this: when God moves in, things change. There is no other God but Him. All that ever came before are nothing but thieves and robbers. What are you talking about? The world will allure you and tell you this is right and this is good and this is what you need and this is what you ought to have. This is, I like this one. This is what you deserve. Makes me sick. It's filth. Thank God we didn't get what we deserved. Oh, but the lure of what is owed us. That's a, the entitlement of our generation. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's the book. But we've got people today that've got a sense of entitlement. My God, it's sickening. It's sickening. I want to just stay with the Word of God. It'll help us. It'll change us. Friend, Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And let me tell you something, my friend. He fulfilled it to the jot and to the tittle. When you go through Calvary and you see the acts and the events that occurred authored by God Himself, my friend, you can see the priesthood's office carried out jot to the tittle of what God commanded Moses for them to do. And when Mary Magdalene looked into that tomb and she seen. The angel on one end and the angel on the other where Christ had laid establishing the mercy seat. The sacrifice given to the God of heaven. My friend, He changed His clothes. Very important part. Please, I pray. Do you know about the place that Jesus prepared? Have you been to His mercy seat? Do you know what it's like? Not just to, if you will, soothe your conscience, so to speak, to put your sins off for a year. But do you know what it's like to have your sins forgiven? All dead, gone. Do you know what that's like? Do you know the liberation of your heart, your mind, and even your conscience is purged from evil works? Well, preacher, I ain't been doing nothing evil. Oh, yes, you have. But God's able to purge even our conscience from these evil works to serve the living God. Do you really know what it's like to serve God? To be a servant? To be at His beck and call? Here am I. I'm ready, Lord. What do you need? If He asks you to do something that you are ready to do, it. why? I'm His servant. Whatever He bids. I stand ready, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Make a phone call. I tell you what, let's get personal. And let's get really real about it. Get somewhere and bend your knees in behalf of somebody else. With a heavy heart and a concerned soul. Oh, God. What in the world's going on? Lord, what's the matter? God, would you watch over? Would you take care? Would you preserve life? Why? Because you're a servant. I fear many times we serve self. And what I want to do, I tell you what your wants will get you. Your wants will get you to wanting a whole lot more. By the grace of God, he is able To cause a man to deny himself and pick up his cross and follow him. By the grace of God, living in your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, you'll find yourself that you're willing to forsake all that Christ may live in your life. That you may have fellowship with him above everything else. That you can get to your knees and with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, you know that you can talk to God and that God can talk to you. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Well, I believe in God, preacher. Do you believe that Christ died for you? Do you believe that Christ made a place for you? We like to take salvation and paint it with a raw brush. We want to slip in when somebody else went to the altar. We like to go through the motions of religion and everything else that goes on at the house of God so that they think and they believe that I'm saved because I'm trying to convince myself also. Dear friend, be convinced of God. Let it be the power of His Spirit that sets you free. And you'll be able to praise and worship God whether anybody else does or not. It won't concern you whether or not that your life is accepted or rejected of mankind. You'll know that you have favor with God. Why? Because the Comforter will come. The Spirit of His power. His presence in your heart. And my friend, and when that load of sin, that dead, that overwhelming dread of the presence of God is lifted from your life and you feel light as a feather and clean, sparkling clean, you'll know the liberty of the Spirit of God. How do you know, preacher? He said, where my spirit is, there is liberty. But there's people who cannot let go of the world Long enough to cling to Christ. And I fear for you. I love you, but I fear for you. Why? Because many are called and few are chosen. I've beckoned to you and beckoned to you and beckoned to you. I've piped, but you have not danced. I've mourned, but you have not lamented. He's rich for people's lives over and over. And they've turned him away and turned him away and turned him away. I can tell you this. You don't get close to the word of God without it affecting your life. It'll harden your heart. It'll sear your conscience. And the next thing you know, you can walk away from the house of God, going after what you want, without another thought. But don't worry. Don't worry. The sand's falling through your hourglass alike. And it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Please, I beg you. I beg you. Know that it wasn't man, it wasn't religion, but it was God that has prepared a place for you that you might know Him in the free pardon of sin. That you might know what it's like to have the liberty of the Spirit of God living in your soul. That's what Jesus prepared. I fear so many, so many, are still trying to hew Him out a cistern that will hold no water. And when they do get thirsty, they will go to that cistern that they have hewed out with their lives and it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't comfort, it doesn't bring peace like a river and joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's just empty. I pray that you would be filled. Let's rest from our seats. Somebody, something upon your heart. I thank you for your kind attention. Thank God for his help. I pray we might go praying and come praying. Pray we would remember one another in prayer. Hold these objects up to God. Pray that we could see, pray that we could see the kingdom of God come afresh into the hearts and lives of our people. To see God work a work that only God can do. All hearts and minds clear. Brother Wayne, if you will. Somebody else need to play.